This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Hockey Central on Sports at 960. Haley Salvian here with you, as always, Tuesday to Friday for the next hour between 2 and 3 o'clock. You just heard Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon. He's back with me today. Logan, you there? <laughs> Not that I'm just talking to myself. Hello. <laughs> He's there. There's <laughs> Logan. <laughs> I always have this moment right before we go live. I'm like, oh. Do I have anyone to talk to? Should have figured that out, you know, 15 minutes Planning before the for show losers. instead of once we're live. Yeah, it's fine. How are you? What's I'm great. How are you? Good, good. It's Friday. It is Friday. Good. Yeah. I was uh, working on the power rankings last night. Ooh. The athletic Dom Luce Chishin is on vacation still. So yeah. I got to tag in on those ones. Where did Which you always, uh, uh, where'd you have the flames? Let us know. I had the flames. I believe the flames were ranked 18th this week. Mm. So they're right in the middle. Yeah, that's fair. That's a <laughs> yeah. fair number, I think. Yeah, I think so. They're just on the cusp of like, you know, you look at the power 16 or the top 15, top half in the league. They're just below. Do you have a is that fair? Do you agree? No, or I think, am I I way think off that's here? fair. I think you're I think you're right on. I think 18 works. Pretty well. I think anywhere from like 15 to 18 is probably a good number for Flames power rankings at this point in the year. They haven't been great at times, but yeah, they're right in the mix. Yeah. So they're actually ranked 19th this week. I ranked them 18th. Sean had them 19th, but the Buffalo Sabres are ahead of them because Sean ranked them like 15. (laughs) He likes the Sabres a lot. So that kind of messed things up a bit. So the Flames technically should be in the 17-18 range, but the Sabres got a bump up because of of Sean Gentilly, who used to be a friend of the show. (laughs) Yeah, no longer after that. No uh, longer. Yeah. So the thing that we did on the power rankings this week is a little bit what we talked about yesterday. We talked a lot about NHL All-Star and who should be the Flames recipient. We now know that it's Nazem Kadri who is locked in to go to the All-Star game as selected by you know, the NHL Hockey Operations Group who made these selections, one player per team. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. Your team, Rasmus Anderson. I said Elias Lindholm. I mean, it's a three-on-three all-star competition. I'm taking the 42-goal scorer in a three-on-three uh, in the Pacific Division. Just line him up on the circle three-on-three with Connor McDavid beside him feeding passes, and Elias Lindholm would look amazing. Kadri would look great, too. I'm sure Rasmus Anderson would look great, and he's very deserving. Uh, but now we know that it is indeed Nazem Kadri going to the All-Star Game. Flames fans have an opportunity to try to vote in another member of the team. Are you still on the Rasmus Anderson wagon here? He's got lots of competition for the rest of the spot, the the remaining two skater spots in the Pacific. Uh, But do you think Flames fans got it in them to get another member of the Flames to the All-Star Game? I think so. I think especially given the fact that Eric Carlson was the only defenseman selected uh, to Team Pacific Division. I think there's room mm-hmm. for sure for another uh, defenseman there. And uh, look, you're going to need somebody to handle a little bit of defensive minutes in this competition, Haley. I don't think Eric's that guy right now. So uh, I think Rasmus fits in there just perfectly. And yeah, I think the the interesting thing about this one was it's hard to disagree with Nazem Kadri, even though you can make a good case for 
either of the guys that we talked about yesterday in in Anderson or Lindholm. It's just sort of how it's all worked out. And I was talking to Cam and Taylor, our producers, earlier, and it's like, okay, the two Eastern teams didn't select any defensemen. So I guess it's a little bit easier if you're trying to get a defenseman into one of those compared to, you know, the central division, which already has three defensemen on it for this. So, yeah, it's it's a bit nitpicky, but it's part of it. And I think that, you know, as far as accolades go, I think I still think Rasmus Anderson's very deserving of that spot. Yeah, absolutely. So the one bone that I have to pick, and I don't even know if this is nitpicky, I don't love the one player per team format. It's not really an all-star game that way, is no. it? Like, it's, it's not just the best players in the league going to the all-star game for this game and the skills competition. It's one player from every team plus some extras that the fans vote in. Like, it's not – I don't love it, personally. What do you think? No, that's fair. It's more of a – it's more NHL showcase this way yes. than it is NHL all-star game. And, look, uh, there'll be plenty of people, and I'm probably in the same boat, that tell you, hey, you know, it's – it's kind of we're all trying to make sure that everyone's included and we've had plenty of years like this before where they've started doing it. And uh, Is it hard to pick an all-star from every team? No, but I think if you were to, to actually go down the list and say we're only taking those guys that are having the best possible seasons, a lot of the guys that were on the lists announced yesterday probably wouldn't have been there. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't really love the... The whole format thing, I get it. You're, you're trying to include everybody in it, but to label it an all-star game isn't necessarily accurate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's just so many players who were, you know, kind of quote-unquote snubbed or left off rosters that would be on it in a traditional all-star game. Guys like Miko Rantanen. I mean, everybody loves Kale McCarr. He's a Calgary guy. Uh, but, you know, Miko Rantanen's kind of been the MVP, the Colorado Avalanche this season, their best player, their highest score in goals and points, and he was not <laughs> named to the first uh, 32 players on the All-Star game. But anyway, well, we'll move it's, on from... It's even the, no, the Dreisaitl thing, right? It's like, how does, it, well, yeah, exactly. how does Leon Dreisaitl feel fun. about this today, right? And I mean, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's like John Tortorella and says, look, I don't watch it. I don't care. And <laughs> don't ask me questions about it. He but should be the Metro coach, by the way. <laughs> you should absolutely find a way to force him into it. He would just yeah. be miserable the entire time. But yeah, Leon Dreisaitl's the league's second leading scorer. And he wasn't named to the initial All-Star game. That's not that's not the spirit of what we're doing here. And, you know, for the guy that's probably, you know, sat there and been second fiddle to Connor McDavid for a lot of things, it's like, I think I probably have earned a spot on the All-Star team. But you're yeah. right. We were kind of, you know, talking about it in a sense that doesn't really fit because the NHL wants to include everybody. Nope. And then we just got a fair question on the text line. It is open as always, 960, 960. If it was an actual all-star game, would any Flames be going? It's a fair question. Uh, I, mm. <laughs> you could make the argument, but I don't think there's somebody on the Flames who would be an absolute lock to be at the all-star game if we were picking like the cream of the crop of NHL talent this year. I think you could make the argument for guys like Caudry or Huberto for skills competitions. You can make the argument for Lindholm or Anderson. Uh, but I don't know if there would be an absolute lock to be at the All-Star game if we're just picking the top, what, 40 players right now in terms of skaters and goalies. Yeah, at 35 points in 38 games this year, that puts Lindholm 61st in league scoring. Yeah. So yeah. 
that's to that texture's point. It's a tough one to actually, you, like you said, you can make a case, but would they have an all-star representative? It's an interesting one to think about. Exactly. Uh, anyways, moving on from All-Star, because we talked a lot about it yesterday, uh, talking about it off the top here with Logan Gordon on Hockey Central. It is a Flames game day, so we're going to transition over to that. They're playing the New York Islanders tonight, puck drop at 7 p.m. You can catch Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius, who's back from the World Juniors. I hope he had so much fun with his son. That's at 6 o'clock. This should be a good matchup. Both teams are 3-2 and two in their last five games. The last game between the Islanders and the Flames, New York, Islanders won four to three. A uh, couple of s- notes from the morning skate. It wasn't optional at the Dome. Dan Vladar working late. So Jacob Markstrom looks like the projected starter. Other lineup decisions will come at the warmups. Uh, before we get to Kevin Kurz, who was our first guest of the show, he covers the Islanders for the Athletic. Logan, I've got to ask you, do you have any you know, keys to this game or any changes that you think the Flames should be making from their previous games against the New York Islanders? Or are you kind of happy with the way things are are working and looking right now at the lineup? Yeah, it's not necessarily anything regarding the Islanders themselves. I, I think it's time to switch things up in the top six and perhaps try somebody uh, different in the slot that Milan Lucic is currently occupying with Kadri and Huberto, just given what we've seen the last couple of games, specifically that one Tuesday uh, against Winnipeg. I never thought it was going to be a long-term thing, but I think I'm ready to see somebody else get a shot uh, there, especially as we're still talking about this team needing offense. Even the games where Lucic has looked good on their hills, he still hasn't exactly been an offensive catalyst that's led to this team getting that one extra goal they've needed. So I still think whether it be Ruzicka or experimenting with somebody different in that spot, uh, I'd be open to that, but I think for the most part, things will probably be pretty status quo of what we've seen the last couple of games. I think the issue with moving Lucic off that line, I mean, who do you put there? Is it Mangiapane? Uh, but don't we like what Mangiapane and, and, uh, has been playing? Don't we like the way that Mangiapane has been playing with, with uh, Backlund and Coleman? I think you know once you move one piece, the puzzle starts to look a little bit fuzzy in other areas, and that's the issue with not having that natural middle six, top six, you know, scoring winger that uh, that we know the Flames have been looking for. Uh, good stuff, Logan. Thank you. I'm sure you go take a nap before you have to be back for the game. Thanks, friend. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, thanks, Logan Gordon. He does a lot on Sports at 960. The fan always loved talking to him off the top. But let's go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline because we have Kevin Kurz of The Athletic Waiting. He covers the New York Islanders for The Athletic. Kevin, how's it going? Good. Do I get pizza then? Is that? Did you say I get pizza for coming on your show? Did I read here that right? <laughs> you know what? I don't think so. But you can uh, check out Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar uh, if you hang out after. I'll give you all the details where you can get pickup and delivery plug, yeah. at Atlas Pizza. Yeah, yeah. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast if you're interested next time you're in Calgary. <laughs> we... we get. I do get this question a lot, on? mostly from athletic yeah. colleagues, people being like, wait, so do I get pizza next time I'm in town? Like, uh, go to Atlas I mean, pizza I live in New York, so I'm probably kind of set on pizza. Yeah, you probably get a lot of that. We were uh, we were talking about the All Star Game, and I don't want to, you know, dwell on it too much because obviously we're going to have to talk about this again in February when it's actually time for the All Star Game. But what did you make of the choice for the Islanders? Brock Nelson's going. It seemed like to me. The more natural lock would be Matt Barzell or Ilya Sorokin, uh, but they go with uh, Brock Nelson for the Islanders. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with, with your assessment. Um, and that's certainly nothing against Brock Nelson, who's, who's having a career year. Uh, he's coming off, and he's coming off a career year. He had 37 goals last year, which was, which was a new high for him. And, and he's back on that pace. But he's also just putting up more points, too, more assists especially. Um, and he's on pace to really shatter his career high in points. And, you know, I think he's one of those guys that has always been looked at as a little underrated. And, and you know how these things work, Haley. Sometimes the team... All right. It looks like we lost Kevin Kurz there. Uh, he was going in talking about Brock Nelson, who is having a career. It is a fair point to make. But I look at somebody like Ilya Sorokin, and I know that it was uh, Igor Shosturkin who was selected as the Metro goalie for the All-Star game, at least in terms of the starter. And, you know, Igor Shosturkin has the pedigree. He won the, the Vesna Trophy last season. But if we're looking, like, statistically – the best goalie in the Metropolitan Division is Ilya Sorokin. He he has 2.35 goals against average. That's sixth league-wide. His 9.24 save percentage is third. His three shutouts are tied for first. And he ranks number one in goals saved above expected. Uh, Sorokin has Tristurkin beaten every major statistical category. Uh, so he's kind of the guy in the Metro for me. I think we've got Kevin back on the line. Kevin, are you with us? Yep, I'm right here. All right. So I was uh, veered off to talk about Ilya Sorokin because he's just had a great, great season. Uh, but you were talking about Brock Nelson. He's having a, a career year this year as well. Yeah, he is. And and, and you know that sometimes the teams uh, have a say in, in who is selected, right? It's um, I think it's kind of a, a, a not very um, well-kept secret. So, you know, I, I – does Lou maybe not want Ilya Sorokin going to the All-Star game to risk a chance of injury because he's far and away their most important player at this stage of the season? Um, and, you know, Matt Barzell, I think, is he was rewarded pretty well with a pretty big contract extension right before the season started. But, you know, Brock Nelson is still a fine choice. He's having a good year. He's been a generally underrated player, I think, for the last little while. And um, so I don't think he can argue the fact that he deserves to go. I just hope that Matt Barzell can be involved in the fastest skater. Like if he doesn't get voted in, and this is my mm -hmm. thing with the NHL All-Star Game as well. Not only is it not just the best players, you know, being put in the All-Star Game, it's like one from each, everyone gets a representative. Uh, but they also don't do it the NBA way, which is where you can just have guys who are good at a specific thing in the skills competition, uh, like Zach Levine winning the dunk contest two years in a row. Like he wasn't an NBA all-star technically he's not in the LeBron category in the NBA so I mean Matt Barzell is in that upper echelon of the league stars but if he doesn't get voted in I mean he still has the record for the fastest skater I think he should just be able he yeah. should just be able to go there and do it and compete and have fun and then you know go to the beach yeah I think <laughs> that's how I were, feel I people were making that yeah <laughs> Uh, you might be going to the beach for the all-star break anyway. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I I remember hearing that argument last season, too, with Zidane Chara. Do you put him in the hardest shot competition? And, and you know, Ryan Pulak's a guy who could probably get in there, too. So um, I agree. I, I, I kind of tune out the all-star game. I don't, I, think they, I don't think it's the most exciting event on the league calendar. Um, I think they could do some things differently, but – you know, no one's really listening to me at this point, so. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, hopefully the <laughs> listeners are. You know, everyone just thinks of the sound of radios turning off across the Calgary region. 
Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. But no. Yeah. yeah. No, but I, I do think the all-star game, it's, I, you know, it's it, the three on three worked for a little while and now it's just kind of become sort of lame. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not a big all-star game person, which is why I've spent so much time talking about it off the top. But the Flames and the Islanders are playing tonight. Um, I was talking, you know, while we were trying to get you back on just statistically about how good Ilya Sorokin has been this season. I guess a bit of good news for Flames fans. He started last night in Edmonton. So can we expect Simeon Varlamov tonight? Like, what do we need to know there between the pipes for this game? I. I would think so, and Varlamov has been out, or he was out for a little while. He only got activated right after the uh, the turn of the new year, and it was actually Corey Schneider served as the backup at the start of the road trip in Seattle on January 1st, so I, I would expect Varlamov will be in there. Um, they do have a little break after this, so they might be somewhat tempted to give Sorokin the second of a back-to-back, um, but you know, the fact that Varlamov has dressed as the backup the last two games should say that he's ready to go and uh, he's played well he was actually playing very well he was playing better a little bit better than Sorokin was at the time of his injury about three weeks ago so uh, you know there was there was even speculation and 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 I was speculating (laughs) among those speculating that he might get a little bit more of the work share moving forward because Sorokin wasn't necessarily playing poorly he might have had one or two bad games but he had lost seven straight games and Barlamov I think was 4-0-1 in his last five starts so um, but it didn't happen. He got hurt in the middle of a game in Colorado, um, a little groin issue. He's fine now. Um, so I would think he'll be in there, but it's not a huge drop-off, or at least it hasn't been a huge drop-off this season from Sorokin to Varlamov. He's, he's been very good, and, and you know, to me, he's got to be in the top three or four uh, of NHL backups in the league. When you look at the strengths of this Islanders team, I mean, I think when we thought of, you know, previous iterations of the Islanders, it was that Barry Trotz defensive structure, uh, very frustrating, annoying to play against. They're just going to wait and wait and wait. And then they're very opportunistic when they get a chance. When you look at this current team, uh, is, is, is that their strength anymore? Or is their strength kind of in that goalie tandem and in that goalie picture with someone like Sorokin and Barlamov backing them up? Well, they changed their philosophy under Lane Lambert. They're more aggressive. Um, their defensemen are getting more involved. Uh, I'm pretty sure they still lead the league in goals from defensemen, which I don't think is anything anyone would have expected you know, under Barry Trott, certainly. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if they still do, but if they don't, they're, they're near the top. Um, so, you know, offensively, they've been generally fine, but the, 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 the biggest glaring part of their game right now that you just – go what what's going on here is their starts uh there's far too many nights they come out and they just don't look ready to play and it's already happened three times on this road trip each of the three games they were able to overcome it in vancouver with a really good second period um but they couldn't in seattle and they they certainly couldn't last night in edmonton who was just all over them from the start so that's the part of their game that you just There's no answers right now. I don't think the coaching staff has any answers. The team doesn't seem to have any answers. I wonder, from my perspective, are there too many guys here that are just too comfortable? Um, There's some injuries up front, so that certainly doesn't help. But this shouldn't be something where they're affecting – you know, this this was affecting them even before all the injuries started. So – it's 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 strange. It's weird. Um, nobody seems to figure be able to figure it out. But it's something they're going to have to fix, and they're going to have to do it quickly here. 
It seems like something that the Flames are going to be able to take advantage of in this game tonight. I mean, sometimes Calgary does it too. They don't always have, you know, the the best energy in the first period or they start slow in the second. Uh, but it seems like that's something where, where Calgary should really try to take advantage of a team. Like you said, I mean, we saw it last night in Edmonton. Uh, they started pretty slow and then they lose the Oilers four to two. And now they've got a, a you know, a, a quick drive down the Alberta two to, to Calgary and they've got to try to start on time this time. Yeah. And you would think that they would come out pretty hard and, um, you know, have a bad taste in their mouth from what happened in Edmonton. And just the fact that it's happened three times in a row and uh, a lot more than that when you consider the whole season. So we'll see. Um, I know it's the end of a long road trip, so their energy tanks might not be too full in second of a back-to-back, but um, it, it was it was borderline embarrassing they, they, the way they were outclassed by the Oilers in the first period last night, and, and that was ultimately the reason they lost the game. What do you make of Matt Barzell's season so far? I know we already talked within the the you know talking about the All Star game, and he's someone who would be a lock, but he's having a, a pretty good year. How would you evaluate him to this point in the season? Yeah, I think he's been very good, um, and I think he's uh, given more freedom under Lane Lambert than he was under Barry Trotz. But but he's also picked his game up, and it's been a little bit of a weird season for him because he couldn't buy a goal, I and mean, it took him three, four weeks or something to get his first goal of the season. He had all these assists. He was leading the league in assists at one point. Um, So he was playing fine. There wasn't really a concern about his overall game. He just wasn't scoring. Um, And, you know, lately the goals have been going in. It's a five-game goal streak. I think he's six total over that span. So he's right about where he should be. Um, Back to a point-per-game player, which is what he was when he won the Calder Trophy his rookie year. Um, it, it's interesting because he's been playing a little bit on the wing lately. He's taken shifts as a winger. Sometimes Casey Sezikis will be in the middle. And I think the primary reason for that is he's been, he's been awful in the faceoff circle. Uh, I think he's sitting at like 30%. And he really, I think you can count on one hand how many faceoffs he's taken on this entire three game, which will be a four game road trip tonight. Um, they're really sheltering him. They're, they're, they're not letting him take faceoffs because he's just not winning them. And, and he does take, a lot of his shifts in the offensive zone, so that helps too. I would say he's playing a little bit sheltered. But, I mean, let's not overthink it. He's been great offensively. He's been their best offensive player, certainly for the last little while. And, um, you know, I think there's actually still room to grow there for him in, in his overall game. He's a guy that we talked about in the offseason a lot, and you did this, I did this, obviously, looking at what the Flames were going to do with the offseason and where some of the the pieces that we now know went to Columbus and Florida did. But the Islanders were kind of hovering in and around the Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk conversations because, mm-hmm. you know, the the big piece that most people believe the Islanders needed this offseason was an elite winger to play beside Matt Barzell. As you mentioned, he's playing with, you know, Casey Zizekas, and I think Josh Bailey's on his left wing with him right now. And, and yeah, the, the results are there. You know, he's right where he probably should be in terms of his production over the season. But is that still something that you think the Islanders are going to look to address? 100%. I still believe they are one and probably two or three, maybe even two or three. If they're, if they're healthy, if they're completely healthy, I still think they're too forward short of being a true contender. And um, I wonder now if they would be open to pursuing a center and maybe putting Barzell on the wing just because of the way we've seen Barzell deployed in the last little while. Um, I liken it all a little bit to Claude Giroux. You know, Claude Giroux went to the wing, um, obviously a little bit later in his career than the 
point that Barzell's at now. But I, I, I look at them as sort of similar players. Um, and, again, just the fact that Barzell can't win a faceoff right now, um, you're going to need to put him with a top-level center if you don't want to play him in the middle, especially when you're on the road and you don't get last change. So um, I do expect them to be in the discussions for whatever elite level forward is on the market. Now it's a little bit complicated because they don't have a ton of assets to give up. Uh, Their prospects pool is a little thin. Um, I don't think they're in a position where they want to trade their 2023 first rounder just yet. Um, We all know how deep that draft is supposed to be. Um, I think the only way you trade that pick is if, you know, hypothetically you're going after a Timo Meyer and then you lock him up long-term. Okay. Maybe you trade the first round pick there, but um, I do think they need more. There, there's just, there are too many forwards that have had inconsistent seasons. We've already seen Josh Bailey be a healthy scratch. I think three times Anthony Provillier has been a healthy scratch. Oliver Wallstrom now is on the injured list. Um, he's going to be out long-term we're told. So they need to do something. Um, and Lou, Lou Lamorello has been patient, I guess is, one way to put it, um, I think that the time for him to do something, if it's not now, it's going to be soon. It's amazing how many teams this time of year in the offseason need either, you know, a right shot, top pair defenseman or top six scoring help. It yeah, makes the market yeah, really I mean, interesting yeah. and fun. Yeah, everyone's looking at, you know, the same two guys who could probably make an impact at the deadline and then you just, you know, hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, you just hope it's interesting. I mean, as a writer, you just it's like what do you, what do you, you 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 don't care if the team wins or loses. You just want them to be interesting. Well, I mean, the Islanders didn't make a single trade at last year's trade deadline when they were out of the playoff race. And then they didn't sign a single notable free agent in the offseason unless you count uh, Hudson Fashing as a notable free agent oh, ad. Sure. <laughs> hey, he's been pretty good, but yeah. I think the fan base was looking for a little bit more, and I think they're still looking for for Lou to do something here. All right, so you mentioned Lane Lambert and the way that they've kind of changed the way that they're playing this season. He's about halfway through his first year as head coach, the Islanders. How would you evaluate the job that he's done, and how do you see him kind of handling what is looking like a pretty make-or-break important stretch of hockey for the Islanders leading into the All-Star break? Well, let's talk about the good first. And the good is the team's better than it was last season, flat out. And you can talk about all the extenuating circumstances they were dealing with last season. And there were a lot of them. And I think those affected the way the team performed. But they're in a better place now than they were this time last season. They're, you know, they're in a playoff spot right now. They're in the second wild card spot. So he deserves credit for that. And he's really, he, like I mentioned, he has sort of remade the way the team's played uh, system-wise. Um, so that's the good. But you know, the, the, the worrisome part, I think, again, is the way the team consistently struggles out of the gate. And, you know, I know there's momentum swings throughout a game. I know that there are going to be times where the other team is pinning you in your own end. But it, it just happens far too often with this team for me to think they're, they're a serious contender at this point. They've got to be more consistent. Um, and the other thing lately has been the power play. It, it's been awful. It's, uh, I think it's one for its last – oh, sorry – one for his last 34 or so um, in the last 12 games. So that's got to get fixed. Special teams is going to have to be better. So, you know, that's at least partly on the coaching staff. Um, 
so th- there's there's still some work to do here. I think it's still a little bit of an evaluation process when it comes to to Lambert. But listen, at the end of the day, like I said, they're in a playoff spot right now. Um, they do have some pretty significant pieces out. Adam Pellick has been out since the first week of December, um, and there's still a handful of forwards on the shelf. So um, we'll see. You know, let, let's maybe we. I think we'll know a lot more about the way Lambert and his coaching staff has handled this team. Um, in another three or four weeks. All right, good stuff. I guess the last question for you, is there anything else that we need to know about the Islanders heading into this game in terms of players uh, who could be surprising, who's been on a heater, who's not in the lineup? Is there anything else we need to know about the New York Islanders before puck drop between the Flames and uh, and the Islanders at 7 o'clock tonight? I don't think so. I would just say, you know, Barzell's been the guy that's been uh, been sort of driving the bus a little bit lately. And, uh, again, if Varlamov plays, it'll be his first game in a little while. So um, that'll certainly be something to watch because he was playing well before he came out. But, you know, layoffs for goaltenders can be complicated sometimes, right? All right. Well, great. Thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, enjoy the rest of your walk. <laughs> don't get hit by a truck. <laughs> I, like, I won't. I'll try. I'll see you. Bye-bye. All right. There goes Kevin Kurz. He covers the New York Islanders for The Athletic on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. That conversation brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come on in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. It's amazing. It's always my athletic colleagues who ask me if they're going to get you know free pizza whenever they come on the radio. I think next time. They're all in town. I'll just have to buy them pizza as a thank you for coming on and giving us all of the information, in this case from Kevin, scouting the enemy, scouting the New York Islanders who are coming to town. They're already in town for the game between the Islanders and the Flames puck drop at 7 o'clock. You can catch Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius at 6 o'clock. We're going to go to break, and then we are going to talk probably for the last time this year because the gold medal game's over. We're going to talk about the World Junior Championships. Canada wins back-to-back gold medals at that tournament. Dylan Gunther, the OT hero. How did it all unfold? What did Jason Bukula think about that game? What about Connor Bedard and Shane Wright? We'll get into all of that coming up next on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back to the program. Final segment of the week because it's Friday, it's a Flames game day, uh, teed up that matchup with Logan Gordon off the top. We're going to get more information on lines, D-pairs, who could be in and out at warm-up. You can catch that at 6 o'clock with Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius, because it was an optional skate for the Calgary Flames this morning. Uh, one thing we can take away from it, Dan Vladar was skating late, so it looks like Jacob Markstrom is your projected starter, and we got a bunch of insight into the New York Islanders, who are the Flames' opponent tonight from Kevin Kurz. He was just here on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, and we're going to go right back to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline because we have Jason Bukla on the line, a former NHL scout, now an analyst for Sportsnet.ca. He's here to dig in maybe for the last time because we've been talking about it a lot because it doesn't come around. I mean, it comes around every year. I was going to say it doesn't come around often, but it's here every year. It was the World Junior Championships. Canada wins back-to-back gold medals. Dylan Gunther, the OT hero. Jason, did you have fun last night? You know, how was that game to watch? How did everything unfold? Like, what did uh, what did you make of everything yesterday? 
Oh, uh, hey, Haley. First thing I got to say is that uh, the city of Halifax put on a huge party. I mean, the uh, the atmosphere in the building was just, it's hard to put into words. It was just electric. So good on the city. They really supported all the teams very well. And that was, that was pretty awesome to be a part of. Now, beyond that, I just feel fortunate that I was there last night to, uh, to witness what I did, you know, um, you know, it was it was tooth and nail. Uh, Czechia came on strong in the last ten minutes, and uh, you know the the NHL pedigree players, the guys with experience there for Team Canada at the end of the game. You know, Clark tracking back, chipping a puck to the neutral zone, and then you know Gunther racing up ice. I haven't seen Dylan Gunther skate as well as I have. Like it really stood out to me. The Gunther's pace has gone to a whole new level. He's clearly put in the work, and he can get a lot stronger still, but um he's clearly been working real hard in arizona they got a good one on their hands there he's a finisher he's a goal scorer for sure just lucky to be there it was pretty awesome i heard so many comments and i'm glad you brought it up about how fun halifax was and lots of people saying like this event should be should not be in you know an nhl city ever again like keep finding these markets where the people in the community are just gonna love it and show out in droves. I heard such great things about the atmosphere and, and the city of Halifax during the whole tournament. Uh, you know what? I know that it's kind of fresh right now, but I'm leaning that way too. Like, uh, how do you feel about it? Cause like, you know, I feel like big cities are spoiled already with the ultimate, which is the national hockey league team. And, you know, they get to see the best of the best. Um, I know that economics start to factor into some of these decisions as well. I get it. And, you know, you have to have the hotel infrastructure and the airports and all that kind of thing. But there's enough uh, across North America. There's enough uh, uh, pockets and cities that support junior hockey uh, and college hockey, for that matter, exceptionally well. And I think I agree with that. Like, how, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm with you. I think you see, you know, the atmosphere, the environment, how much fun people had and what it means to the community when you see the, the tournament in Halifax versus, you know, I know it, it's tough to to compare it to, you know, when it's in the bubble in Edmonton or, you know, if it's in a bigger major market city. I just I I think having it in markets that are either not an NHL market or just markets where you know that people are going to show up. Like I, the one thing where I get stuck is, you know, if we take NHL markets out of the equation, that means there's not going to be a world juniors in, in somewhere like Minnesota, you know, and that seems like it would be a loss because we know people would show out. It's the state of hockey. People love hockey in Minnesota, but then maybe you could have a game. Maybe you could have the tournament, you know, in Wisconsin or somewhere like that, where we know how much they love college hockey in Wisconsin. So I think there's tons of options. I think it's maybe just, you know, being more selective with where you're putting it and knowing that you're going to have that fan atmosphere and have the community really engaged. Yeah, well, it was a sea of red. And I can tell you that anywhere you went in the entire city of Halifax, uh, all the restaurants had signs, gas stations, uh, you know, corner stores. It, it, I mean, it's really hard to put into words. They complete, They were all in. And uh, for that, I think it left a great taste in everybody's mouth. It was a great event. Very fun. So uh, we already got into, you know, Dylan Gunther. It was a great game last night. I think, you know, just Czechia being in the gold medal game and pushing it to overtime and playing the way that they did throughout this whole tournament speak to better parity when it comes to these international tournaments? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, the the development model for hockey worldwide um, has really evolved. I mean, you saw Slovakia uh, at the entry draft last year, and you know, with their men's Olympic team, Craig Ramsey is uh, is leading up uh, the men's uh, national team over there, and Miro Shatan, who's taken over Slovakian hockey, um, he's done a great job there. The same in Czechia. I mean, you know, they're really, they have a real nice group of kids coming through right now. And I think that the trickle down effect um, will be enormous. I mean, I don't know that you can sustain it year over year just based on population. And, um, you know, the Canadian Hockey League, I have to also say, should get a little bit of credit for the fact that our international, um, international draft process for these uh, European players to come and play in the CHL the majority of the uh, team Czechia play in the CHL and certainly uh, they've benefited as well from uh, our development model over here. But Hey, listen, they rose to the occasion. Um, I don't care where they come from. Um, There's way more parity on the international stage. Um, It'll be nice if the world can come back together and find peace and and we can get Russia back into this thing down the line. um, So we can really see how level the playing field is across the board. You had a piece on sportsnet.ca post today about Connor Bedard. How good can he be in the NHL was essentially the theme. I mean, is this a player that you see translating to the NHL as quickly as he can and making an impact on whatever team is lucky enough to win the lottery? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, through my years as uh, you know, a director of scouting, this is the kind of kid that you just salivate about. um, And from an owner's perspective, uh, I I don't really want to be that guy and heap too much pressure on a prospect, but this is the type of player that can really elevate a franchise. That's how good he is. And um, he's the best prospect that I've seen come through um, for, for several, several years. Star power for sure. And, you know, people like you and I, we get we get kind of kicked to the curb a bit when we start using that term generational talent. People start throwing rocks at us, but that's exactly what he is. You know, like he's, he's just elite. Absolutely, absolutely. I think he's one of the players that deserves that generational talent, you know, moniker. It's not hyperbole. I think when you watch Shane Wright play, I think one of the other, or Shane Wright, you know, I'm just moving on already. I was talking about Connor Bedard, but I'm moving on to Shane Wright here. He was all over the puck last night. He did have a really good game in the final. He gets sent to the OHL this afternoon. In your opinion, Jason, and from your experience as a director of scouting, as a scout, knowing what's best for prospect development, is this the best path right now for Shane Wright being in the Ontario Hockey League? Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it's uh, he's obviously not going to stay in Kingston. It's just the transaction to send him back to the team that has his rights right now. With the trade deadline coming up on, I believe, Tuesday, and then t- well, across the CHL, um, you know, you expect to see him in another uniform uh, by the time he gets some rest here. But this is what's best for him. It's been disjointed. Um, he's been kind of uh, all over the place. Um, what I'm really happy about for the kid is he, you know, he really ended the tournament on a high note. Uh, it was his best game by a by a wide margin. Um, he impacted the game in all three zones last night. Played fast. Obviously, chipped the goal off his backhand coming in off the half wall there. And I mean, everything that uh, he ends that on a high note. I'm hoping that he feels good about himself, goes back to major junior, goes on a run with whatever team acquires his rights and uh, starts all over next year because that's what he needs to do. I can't help but feel like 
the American Hockey League would be a great spot for him. I know that's not possible because of the NHL, CHL agreement. Um, but is there something where you look at this and think like, I kind of wish that he could go to Coachella and play a little bit longer to develop more as a pro versus junior? Yeah, I'm on your side when it comes to this. And I know it's delicate because major junior franchises, you know, it's a business and they need to hold on to their top prospects as long as possible because it puts bodies in the seats, you know, like Connor Bedard on the road right now, in the WHL, it's much, it's, it's, you know, everybody's, he's playing in sold out buildings the way Sidney Crosby did when he played in the Quebec league, all across the league. And when Shane Wright comes back to this level, whoever acquires him, um, let's just say that you've been operating on an 85% capacity. Well, immediately it, trust me, it's going to go to hundred percent. And I'm with you, though, because there's a, there's a real disconnect, isn't there? Like, if you look at uh, David Jiracek, the defenseman, for example, in Czechia, you know, he goes to uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, six overall, he comes over, um, he goes to the American League. It's different for kids coming out of uh, college, uh, even the U.S. National Team Development Program, and then, of course, the European programs. Um, they go right to the American League, and they develop there. So I'm, I'm you know... I'm I'm conflicted. I think it's best for the player, but I also understand the business side of it for uh, for the CHL. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm with you too. I think when you look at the American League, I mean that's a developmental league versus Major Junior, as you mentioned, which is still a business, and they're in the business of getting butts in the seats, as you said. So it's it's tough, but at least. I think everyone can agree that it's best for Shane Wright to just be playing in hockey games. Playing in the OHL is better than being in the press box in Seattle, regardless of how we feel about the OHL, AHL side of the argument. Um, when we look at this tournament, were, were there any draft eligibles outside of Connor Bedard that really stood out to you? Well, Leo Carlson for Sweden. Um, played exactly to his identity. He's a big power forward. It's interesting, Haley. Like he played the wing here, and he plays the wing mostly in uh, the SHL in Sweden. Um, but he can play center ice too. So at amateur draft meetings, which are ongoing right now for some teams, and they're going to start up in the next week for others, um, that's going to be a conversation piece, um, similar to how we saw Fantilli play out of position. Um, he's definitely a centerman, Fantilli. But at least you know in a pinch he can do it if he needs to. Carlson can also play center. So I love Leo Carlson. He's a big, strong, big, strong player who's got pace and real good hands. And he takes all the pucks to the hard areas. Like everything's between the dots that he does. There's nothing from the perimeter. Um, Fantilli was really good. Like, you know, this kid uh, persevered a great deal. Uh, when when Canada takes a five-minute major to um, – Ostap uh, Chuck there in the one game, uh, Fantilli serves the five. When they, they take a too many men on the ice, Fantilli serves the two. And all along, you know, so a lot of players will be, you know, upset about those types of things, and I'm sure he was. But he funneled that into energy and opportunity, and his game got better and better right till the end of the tournament, um, even though he's playing out of position. So I thought that was pretty cool to watch. Um, Axel Sandin, Pelika for Sweden. He was a little disjointed by the end, but uh, transitional defenseman. Um, the, the biggest risers were from Slovakia for me. The uh, Maxim Sturback is a defenseman. He's playing in the USHL right now. He's a Michigan State commit. Um, he was outstanding. Like uh, He's 6'2", 196. Um, 
He's on the rise. That's a name to keep an eye on. He's a two-way D who can provide some secondary offense, um, but he never backs down from a challenge. And the other one was the the Slovakian goalie. I, I, don't, I don't know if people really appreciate what, what that Adam Guyon went through just to get to the tournament. He was playing in Chippewa in the North American Hockey League. He's on loan to Green Bay and the USHL. He was not even on their roster for their training camp, and he ends up winning goalie of the tournament. Like that's a that's a pretty cool story. Absolutely. I've got to ask you, you've got over 16 years of scouting experience, and obviously the World Junior Championship is kind of the most profile, high-profile NHL prospect tournament of the season. There's an argument that comes around every year when this tournament happens, though, about, you know, fans and hockey people talking about, you know, people overreact to this event. Um, you know, you you can't take too, too much from just one event because there's way more games, way more tournaments that factor into the overall profile and your scouting portfolio of a player. But how do you look at this this tournament as a prospect evaluation tool? Like how important is the world junior championships when you're building out a draft board or a team or, or that profile of a player, if you're a scout? Well, it's, you, you just brought up a really good point. So you have to situational scenarios. You have to factor that in. So I'll give you an example. Like David Reinbacher is a defenseman. He played for Austria. You know, he's a six foot two, 190 pound defenseman plays for Cloten in the Swiss elite league. When he's playing with the men, you know, he, he's a two-way guy. He plays to an identity, um, and, and he's had a, a large degree of success in, in the men's league. Well, Austria, they're under duress, as we all know. I mean, so you got to bottle what you see there. He's under siege the whole time, as is the team. And so you got to, you know, not – I don't want to say hold it against him, but you just have to just monitor him, make sure that, you know, he's not uh, playing – with bad habits, um, and then you just kind of peel it back. Okay, that's just a one-off, that tournament. I can't wait to see him go back and play in Clotin. The flip side of it, though, is there are some prospects that, um, like Brad Lambert, the Winnipeg pick, you know, he had one goal for, for um, the Finns. And, you know, I don't know what they're doing with him uh, in terms of the potential to send him to, to Seattle in junior. I'm not sure, but there's a player that he's in his third world juniors. Um, I, I expected more, you know, like I'm waiting for more. So I know he's already drafted, but now I put more um, into that, into those viewings. Um, and for Calgary Flame fans, you know, like Topi Roney and, and William Stromgren, um, you know, they, they, you know, Stromgren had one point the whole tournament. Roney had none. Um, so, I'm, I'm trying to paint a little bit of a picture here. Like sometimes it's like situational. You got to be realistic. Other times it's like, you know what? You should have done more. I expected more. Um, so that's, what's interesting about this event. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we've got one more question here for you. We've got two more minutes before the show wraps before the world junior started. You had a piece about Matthew Phillips in his fit potentially with the Calgary flames as someone who's maybe tracked, Phillips as an American Hockey League player, as a junior player. Do you see a fit for him in the NHL with the big club for Matthew Phillips? I think that Matthew Phillips is likely going to be wearing a different uniform um, come maybe the trade deadline. Um, I don't see a relationship fit. Like He's a great kid. I've tracked him since junior. 
Um, I think he deserves an opportunity, but I'm not so sure that the structure of the team and the head coach there um, want that kind of a player. So sometimes that marriage just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't work. So I think he does have value though. So my guess, if I had to say it today, is that he'll be wearing a different uniform, um, maybe by spring. All right. I probably should have uh, asked that one sooner. We don't have more time to dig into Matthew Phillips, but lesson learned. Well, I'm, I, I'm around for another phone call, uh, you know, after we take a weekend off. So whatever, whatever yes. you want to circle back. Absolutely. I'm sure you just got off a flight or you're about to head on to one. So I appreciate you taking the time and all the insight into uh, the world junior top prospects and Matthew Phillips as well. No problem. Happy New Year. Have a good weekend. Yes, you too. There goes Jason Bugla, former NHL scout, now an analyst for Sportsnet.ca with an interesting take, prediction on Matthew Phillips and his future potentially with the Calgary Flames and the Flames organization. That conversation was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. You can dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or call 403-248-3344. All right, the Hockey PDO cast is coming up next. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg is also on. Then we've got the pregame. And then puck drop between the Flames and the New York Islanders at 7. Lots coming up on Sports at 960 The Fan, your home of the Flames.